0: Let's get it. In the city, we gon' slide, bet I be there pronto. Me, my guys, we really lie. Lord, forgive me, pay my ties. Please don't have me reach inside. In the center console, keep the simmy when I ride. off penny when I drive. In the city, we gon' slide, bet I be there pronto. Hey, we in there pronto. This is the Chop Up Show. Y'all know what's good. I am Damo, the political plug. It's another Thursday. We're here to converse with y'all. It's my favorite day of the week. And it's my favorite day of the week because who am I here
1: with? Hey, it's your girl Toya G here with my brothers. Keeping it cool with y'all, but not just them. Y'all in the comments, y'all watching live. Anybody listening to the show, after the fact. Thank y'all for tuning in whenever you're catching the Chop Up show. We definitely appreciate y'all. Somebody said they follow Consciously at the Consciously. but They want to know where to follow us. At Toya G is where you can find me. At the Political Plug is where you can find uh, Odamo over there in the corner. Um, we want you to stay tapped in with yeah. us. Higher definition L E C at yeah. Higher Definition L E C on Instagram is also another place you will see my smiling face. And I got a couple of things I want to share with you. So go tap in with me over there as well. Tap
0: okay. In.
2: Tap yep. in. Hey, and you really want to tap in with Toyo because she's gonna always be able to give you some, I feel like leadership and wellness in a way that is like a real uh, textual with some with some flavor. You know, it's me, George Lee, a.k.a. Consciously. Don't forget the Lee, Consciously.com, georgeleespeaks.com. Both of those websites is where you can, you know, tap in with me if you want to uh figure out a way to book me, find out some merch, more learn more about myself, uh things I got coming your way. That's where you at. Uh, today, we got a nice conversation coming our way about a, a few things. We know a lot of people have been talking about Elon Musk and Twitter, you know, so we'll be getting in first. Yeah. And you know I ain't even gonna give you. I feel like y'all
1: see in the title what is this right here we're getting into, but we gonna get into it, Dama. Hey, real quick, can I? You know, we all out here before we switch over to the to that chop. I wanted to kind of plug. I got a little agenda, real quick. I got some young people who are under my tutelage, under my leadership, who are working hard to advocate for issues uh, that I think we will find important. So I want to kind of give them some shout out, real quick, too. Uh, my students for and Javier are working hard uh, in the mix of the conversation, and their students at Cal State Fullerton to advocate for adjunct professors. We know that adjunct professors across the country have been fighting hard to make sure that they get paid correctly, to make make sure that their labor is appreciated. If you don't know what an adjunct professor is, it's the type of professor that doesn't always have an office office on campus, usually doesn't have a master's or a PhD, or they usually have a master's, but not a PhD. And so they don't have tenure, they don't have a lot of stability. They got to work at a bunch of different campuses. So they're being run ragged, In order to pay their bills, they teaching and supplying a lot of those general education courses and a lot of that tutoring, a lot of that counseling, a lot of that advising from a graduate level or or from an adjunct level that students need to stay in the university, stay in the system. And basically they being around ragged. So what I need for y'all to do is go. I'm about to put a website of an article in the comments. I need y'all to click this link. okay? I need y'all to check them out. I need y'all to holler at them and support their efforts, to support the adjunct professors here uh, in the UC and the CSU system in uh, the state of California, because we we wanted to make a pattern and to make a statement on labor that can reverberate across the country. Okay, so that's my thing. Y'all going to see a little link pop up in the comments. We're going to turn it back over to the plug. But when y'all see that link in the comments, click the link, I need y'all to click the link. I need (laughs) y'all to read the article. I need y'all to support the cause. All right. Shout out to y'all. Turn it back over to the plug. Hey, we out here. Alright, so with that being
0: said, we can go ahead and get into the Snapchat. Um, get the conversation started. So the most interesting thing in social media and tech right now is the fact that Elon Musk has purchased Twitter and it I mean it was for a pretty penny. 44 billion. 44 billion. It's a lot of interesting things going on with that though, because the question is, is Twitter even worth 44 billion? So yeah. Uh, getting, the, getting the conversation started. <laughs> uh, the, 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 the idea uh, associated with Elon Musk and purchasing Twitter is that he has an issue with free speech mm-hmm. and how free speech is functioning. Now, ironically, the, the question of free speech and, and even how Elon Musk is playing with it is it's very Western, right Like even in, in the, the conversation of freedom of speech is something that's uniquely found in our Constitution in the United States right and so i guess we can get the conversation started like this what is the impact of another billionaire purchasing uh, another major social media site does that help freedom of speech is uh, it is it is it a, is it a, a gas mask a snow, or a smoke screen how is it really going down lee let's start with you work. uh
2: definitely a smoke screen um. When rich people start talking about freedom of speech, I don't know what that mean, particularly because it's like, hey, you ain't got too much speech being restricted and you got the platform to say what you want to say, how you want to say when you want to say it. And the consequences is usually not freedom or death. So I don't know what you're talking about of freedom of speech. But Elon Musk, I know that uh I have to look at it and make sure I got the number right. He had told the UN that he would solve world hunger if they gave him a business plan on how they would spend the six billion dollars. The UN sent him the receipts of how they would spend the six billion dollars. Uh, uh, nah, so I looked it's it up. It's six. Oh, I okay, gotcha. Six billion. I have to make. That's why I like, had look it up. I looked it up. Mm-hmm. Six billion. Make sure it's six billion. You know what I'm saying? And, and 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 he didn't come through. So I'm just thinking about like you know, like you said, the the, the value of Twitter compared to solving where hunger is. just Like yeah.
0: I mean, what is that? It, and again, y'all know a term that we throw around here that I like to throw around specifically is neoliberal, right? And so it's like this idea of you got six billion that the UN is saying we can solve hunger with. You throw forty-four billion at Twitter to save freedom of speech, niggas. Probably like the priorities from is just out of whack. What you think, Toya? Impact. Are we dealing with a smoke screen? Is he really saving freedom of speech?
1: I mean, he's clearly definitely not saving freedom of speech. One of the things I think we've all commonly been taught about is that all of these mysterious, powerful figures behind the curtains are the ones controlling our perception and our understanding of reality because all of these rich people control uh, our media platforms. And so, you know, I think it's more of the same. I think it's just more insidious because there is more money moving around and more stake and more investment in doing so. I think the more intriguing thing is not that people want to get into the marketplace of ideas and to champion free speech, I think it is who is doing it and why they're doing it and when they're doing it that really becomes very interesting. We are in a society where social media, as much as it is criticized, has been a portal and a platform for people to control what they consume, control how they understand their perception. They're able to design and curate a timeline to have the version of reality that they would like to prefer to live in in, as opposed to sitting down to the 10 o'clock news and getting what you think you know, uh, what, what society or what the people in power figure they need to know. So in some ways, it's kind of like, uh, uh, what we'll, we'll, I'm going to call it, for lack of a better term, some fuck fuckery, right? So it, it's kind of, it, it does, it plays on the mind because you- We make, the
0: first two minutes, so platform. you get some fuck fuckery.
1: Hey, with these social media platforms, the way we're able to design the news makes it feel like you are developing, you know, a, a version of the truth that resonates with you. But- the the filter that is coming through still starts from somewhere. It still starts from the top. And the nozzle of that is still from people who want to control media. So real quick uh, to answer your question too, I came across this tweet that was very enlightening in terms of who controls media. And it said this, and this blew my mind. Uh, The richest guy on the 2021 Forbes 400 list owns the Washington Post. Number two now owns Twitter. Number three owns Facebook. Numbers five and six started Google. Numbers four and nine started Microsoft. Number ten owns Bloomberg. Free speech, you decide, right? So when you start okay, to really okay.
0: mm-hmm. to be clear, okay, so let's let's. I just want to be able to attach the facts. Yeah. You're saying out of the top ten richest people in the world, mm-hmm. how many of those top ten own some form of major media, whether social or traditional? Six. <laughs>
1: Six. <laughs> I mean, no, look, I, I I see one, two, three, four, five. So the, the only number that is not represented is number seven in the list that I just presented you. The only person... So nine. In media. So nine of the richest 10 people own mm-hmm.
0: some form of either traditional or social media.
1: And I really <laughs> want y'all, I'm going to run through this list one more time because I really want y'all to understand these big major components that fuel and shape the way that we understand information and free speech. The Washington Post, one of the hell, Jeff Bezos, by the way, by the way is the person who owns the Washington Post. That made he bought that
0: recently. He bought that recently, to be clear. He bought that recently.
1: And made a commitment, unlike uh, uh, Elon Musk, to be completely uninvolved and unattached, no influence on the way that news flows. From, but sure. Right. And if y'all listen to this and y'all can't see me, I'm doing a little wink, mm-hmm, wink, wink. Uh, because I don't buy that either. You're not gonna That That's for the podcast, you know what what podcast
0: crowd. Exactly. Shout out to those live
1: watching. Well, Washington Post. Then you got number two with Twitter. Number three, clearly Mark Mark Zuckerberg uh, over at Facebook. Five and six started Google. Don't know their names. Um, numbers four and nine started Microsoft. So that's Bill Gates and whoever started Microsoft with him. Don't know his name. Um, and then number ten, owning Bloomberg. Don't know who that is. However,
2: see, I say, see, I know, I know the, the, the list I'm looking at right here. Got Jeff Bezos. Amazon founder, he worth 156 billion dollars. He bought the Washington Post for 250 million dollars. John Henry, he owns the or uh, uh he <coughs> is a part of, yeah he owns the uh trading firm JW and Henry and Co. He's worth 2.5 billion. He bought the no, no, no,
0: no. you said that he so Jeff Bezos who because he recently bought the Washington Post, to be clear. Yeah, he recently bought bought- he bought- he did it. because the accusation was he did it as a flex to Donald Trump. <laughs> You know, because a lot of it, the beef that Donald Trump was having with the Washington Post, you said it was for two hundred and fifty-five million. Two hundred and fifty million. Two hundred and fifty million. Twitter was recently purchased by Elon Musk for forty-four billion. billion. The only difference is
2: that is a tech media, so you got to put that in there in terms of the price. And I feel like I'm. Am I got a little lag? But yeah, uh,
0: look uh, You are. But, to, I mean, uh, keep talking through it. But but <laughs> I I guess like. That that it's it's that much of a gap between social social media and traditional media that the Washington Post was purchased for a two hundred a, a couple hundred million and Twitter alone goes for billions. I mean, to transition the conversation though, because George, you were saying that it was something specifically like uh, uh, what what was the issue that individuals owning these these major media platforms?
2: You know, I've been, I've been, I've been trying to get my financial literacy up. So I know that uh, Wall Street Trapper and uh, Ernie Leisure was talking about how if when, when, when you when you're trying to invest in a company and that and 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 the board members are not the main stakeholders in that company, it's probably not a not really a good company to uh, invest in. And thinking about how, in terms of just authority and power and control, how you have one individual that can control literally the entirety of the company, you know how that's bad and how usually it's like a, a, a multiple people that own tech companies and media companies and not just, you know, just one person, or, or at least in the terms of Twitter,
0: you feel me? I don't, I don't understand it because it's like saying that, like if you're talking about a board, like saying that like the difference between a board owning it and then like Jeff Bezos or Elon Musk independently owning it, like it, it's, it's really just, splitting heads. it's like whether or not we got an issue with one billionaire as opposed to six billionaires you know what i mean sitting on a board making it making a difference uh toya what do you believe that it that that it poses a unique difference in having one individual own uh a, a major major shares in a social media platform or a tech platform as opposed to the board operating in control of a social media platform
1: I mean, the question is, like, okay, so the question is, does it make a significant difference, or is one better than the other? I mean, I don't really know, I mean, sure, I don't really know how governing those spaces work, because a lot of times people on boards, the way that I understand boards to work is that you can function in an advisory capacity, but have no desire Mm -hmm. to really kind of have a stake in the company. Like, so, I mean, I think some of the legally, some of the ways that the, the infrastructure of corporations uh, eludes me so i don't want to overstep and kind of speak to that i think you know you can have six whack-ass people in control of it and it still be just as bad you know what i'm saying so yeah. i don't really know at that point it's kind of like splitting hairs if they all on the same page got the same agenda and the same intentions i think you know we look at <clears throat> the selling of twitter in the first place from being a public uh, uh, uh a public pro- a public brand or whatever to being some privately owned. You see that the the even the creators and the owners of Twitter had something to negotiate. There was a price that they were willing to sell in order to relinquish power over one of the most influential platforms. So it's not being about principle. It stopped being about you know engineering and being at the front of innovation. And it started being about the the highest seller and the know, highest yeah. bidder. And a month ago, we was having conversations laughing at Elon Musk face about the possibility of buying Twitter. And yeah. you know what I'm saying? Was that was- about
2: red pills and yeah, all type of shit. And did so you, so you red guess- pills? And-
1: my my answer to your question is mostly I don't know how that should work at the top, but what I do know is if you have a vested interest, either in yourself or in some larger political or ideological uh, ideal, you won't get enough people on your side to push that mission forward, whether it's you or whether it's six. You know what I'm saying? Weird decisions get made when you get people. What they say in the church where two or three are gathered, except for in this particular example, he might not be in the midst. I really don't know. We have to see. Right. But I, I think that's something fair uh, to say. And to me
2: uh, as the last thing i said about about this particularly right, to me i think it adds to the current trend that we see of billionaires like the list we just got done you know what i'm saying listing of owning media uniquely and how media is a part of the world that we in because i agree there's always been billionaires that own shit you see what i'm saying but now this new power grab for like tech and media and how those and how you get the control you feel me the mm-hmm. narrative and what we see and what we don't see on timelines, to me, that's starting to become it is And I'm trying to figure out why I'm still lagging. It's bothering me so
1: much. I uh, understand but so... Um, uh, what's yeah. That's
0: how that matters. right. yeah, it ain't much of a lag on my end, but, I mean, on, on this story, I do think that... Uh, I, I mean, and, and if y'all got anything else to add, I'll say this. I do think that... Well... We we understate the impact of again knowing that somebody is claiming that they can solve world hunger for six billion dollars, knowing that that six billion dollars was available, but it was added to forty four billion to buy a social media company.
1: Well, here, you know what I mean. There's some interesting. I mean, folks in the comments are like uh, specifically Charles and Alicia, uh, Alicia, Alicia or Alicia. Uh, we're kind of saying the same thing. Shaw said, Why are we looking for a single billionaire to end world hunger when as a country we spend billions on other shit? It would definitely be <laughs> nice for buddy to help, but that ain't his job. Uh least seer I'm assuming, uh, followed up and said that's unfair to say that his priorities are out of whack. Of course, his priorities as a billionaire are different from the, the 98%. Uh just uh just they I'm assuming they change as our work grows, or just as they change as they as, okay. as the wealth And so I, I don't know. Go ahead.
0: Can you go back to old boy? Go back to old boy real quick. Charles? Charles said, why are we looking for a single billionaire to end world hunger? Because he can, bro! Because
1: he can! Not My my, my thing is not even that he can, because there's a lot of shit I could do, but I don't do. But it's that I feel like I play my part in other ways. Socially, I do things to contribute. This is somebody who don't pay taxes. So do something. You get to evade and elude a lot of the common breakoffs that would count, account for your contributions. If you was carrying an equal load or doing an equal job or, felt, or it felt like you were being appropriately uh, kind of. But you do a lot of shit from the treatment of your black employees at your private company to the, the, your ability to evade taxes the same way as some of your arch nemesis like Jeff Bezos. White Donald yeah. Trump. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, we want you to foot the bill on World Hunger. Because you don't have to do shit else. And you make it and set it up that way. And we tie.
2: Not only that. Not going. only. Hold on. I'm on, Not only that. We're not pulling out this billionaire thing and putting it to Elon Musk uniquely out the blue. There is a context and history of Elon Musk individually himself voluntarily being like, yeah, if y'all give me the spending plan for how y'all going to spend these six billion dollars, I will give it to y'all. He yeah. said that. He didn't follow through what it is. You see what I'm saying? The only thing I want to throw in here, too, just to make sure we're clear on, because I just got done doing a lecture on this like two weeks ago. How we've been indoctrinated to understand freedom of speech, that only applies to the federal government and to government to state. It does not Mm -hmm. apply to private private entities or private space. So uh, to me, I see it as this gaslighting is that you have the team around you. the resources around you for your ass to know better and recognize what freedom of speech is and what it ain't so Mm -hmm. for you to get on twitter and gaslight all these people and act like you know what's going on because what i see from the comment section here and what i know from having conversations on social media it's a lot of people that really don't know or have a very surface level understanding about a lot of these concepts like freedom of speech Mm -hmm. so it's like yeah man
1: This is the same way. I mean, you know, you know, we get we get HIPAA. You you get some you get some legalese, you get some language, and all of a sudden you think you know how it works, and then half the people running around talking about HIPAA don't know about HIPAA. So it's a great example of how we self-aggrandize ourselves and appoint ourselves to be scholars in these areas where we're trying to have these conversations, and that's just not our lane of jurisdiction most of the time. Hey,
0: But I mean, I'm gonna be honest. I'm gonna be honest. I, I I'm not giving anybody the pass of you if if the claim is made that we can address world hunger with six billion dollars and that's a feasible number like if a motherfucker say bro you can take care of your family like you are somebody that makes 200 million dollars a year and you can take care of everybody with your last name and the people connected to them for three million dollars a year mm-hmm. and you choose to take your 200 something million and then go it on land or whatever, some because something that's going to be valuable, right? Because we Man, like not, we can't deny the value of Twitter, but to like to really deny the responsibility of being able to to fend for that many, for such a large group of people, and still instead use that. This is a, like listen, I'm a preach about neoliberalism until I die. Because this is the problem with let our fast let too. throw something in. I'd be simple to
2: be quick. We don't have the same energy or the same, you know, standard when it comes to how we're spending money. Think about the outrage right now we have for BLM spending six million dollars on the mansion. To me, I feel mm-hmm. like it's just a lot of just some kind of selective moral outrage when it comes to spending money, especially too, because to me, just when you think about it. Those two statements, with all respect, is really got like some bootlicking, you feel me, remnants of it. You know what I'm saying? Where it's really like now you are capable for billionaires in a way that literally helps filter a lot of the shit that we're talking about right now. Because it's like now it's like you don't you don't have that responsibility to do X, Y, and Z and X, Y, and Z. But it's like, if you don't have that responsibility, then who does? You have the ability to influence policy-making process. You have the ability to get to get bureaucracies and lobbyists and interest groups. You have the ability right. to get government subsidies and get tax breaks. So when we've been footing the bill for Tesla, shit, we seen in 2012, you know what I mean? He had a $2 billion net worth and now he got $200 billion net worth. We as taxpayers help him get that. So to me, it's like when you start talking about priorities and fairness, it's like where is priorities and fairness for the 98% that y'all, you know what I'm saying, distinctive, distinctively talked about and acknowledged in the comment? Think differently. Yeah, think differently as in we're going to exploit your ass and be like, yeah, I'm going to do what I want to do with my money and shut up for you if you don't like it. We don't have that same energy for anybody else, especially poor people. but
0: go, go ahead no, 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 no,
1: because I, I was going to, yeah. Respond to that because there's something actually in the comments that I wanted to kind of get to. So,
0: No, no, no. I, I feel like what George said, I don't really think it class, though, because it's like the idea. The idea is simply that like, there, there's a responsibility that's there. But we can both agree that that based on what's important, like the logic of capitalism, that's not like solving world hunger doesn't add to that. It doesn't it does increase that benefit. It, there's no incentive to do that specifically when you can spend 44 billion to flip that to 100. You know what I mean? So that's why I want you to go ahead.
1: Well, well, the only thing that I wanted to kind of go back to, and this is something that's in the comments, uh, Charles is uh, saying or mentioning that the government has these responsibilities, not private citizens. And then Alicia comes back and asks the question, I want to know what the amount of wealth is needed for strangers to to get to determine what uh, someone else does with their money, because at every bracket, could and should be spending some of their money on other things instead. So how is it that billionaires are supposed to be listening to strangers about their money? And I get that. Right. Like there's a question about private companies, about the the line or the boundary between what people are obligated to do versus what the state is obligated to do. I'm still going to go back to you are not helping the state or supporting the state or allowing the state to do what it's supposed to, if you're not paying your taxes to it. So that's kind of the first place I want to start there. Even if we try to put it off on the state and put it off on whatever. And this also alludes to a very complicated and messed up system too, because we know how our government is very messed up in taxation and on taxation and allows for these tax breaks. It's not that Elon and them is like, I'm not paying. We'll see you next year. It's literally that their tax bill is being read as zero because of the ways that tax systems are structured in this country, country to benefit billionaires all of that being said i you know you're like who said they gotta do this and who said they got i'm saying they gotta do that i'm being i'm I'm being a lightweight i feel like in some extent and to some extent um a a huge part of what keeps this world in balance is a reliance on individuals being ethical and moral characters now we understand that that shit is not really really real we understand that the way that the world works, that everybody is always working in their general interest. But the only way we have any semblance of balance under is if we have these philanthropic understandings, understandings of how we oh, got to approach the world around us. That shit. Ha- Talk that communism shit. Talk that socialist shit. You not know, I be, and, I, and I call it light, lightweight because I'm not. I don't know, and this isn't. I'm, I'm no 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 mathematologist. I'm no economist. I am. I'm. I don't have the lane or the jurisdiction to be like, this is the world. I'm I'm not one of those. To say that this is the one that's going to save the world. I just believe, in a world of reality, that there has to be some line. I don't know what it is. I don't know what the bright line is. But some point to where the the, the wealth that you have that will secure your generations ten times over, at that point, we can be like, all right, we should have to get some.
0: Can I suggest a bright line? Sure having the ability to be able to do it. Like when you can look at a problem plaguing the world and say, I can address that problem. I can I can be the difference maker in the world. In every other instance, not not that's
1: thing.
2: You you know, other instance, when there's a crime or ill will happening, and you have the ability to intervene and stop it. And you don't. In every other instance, you've seen as an accessory to the crime because you have the ability to stop it. I got to you know. I know niggas right now on the on the stand right now. And that's the logic that they're using. So for me, it's like, what is the distinction between the billionaires and the government? If the if the government colludes with the billionaires to sustain their profits and their wealth. Elon Musk and after Elon Musk that we know and that we've come to understand without the government giving him the breaks that they've given him. Mm-hmm. So how do you create this distinction between that's mm-hmm. the private mm-hmm. citizen and not the mm-hmm. government but the government is literally giving Tesla and saying, hey, 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 Elon and Jeff, because you created so many jobs and you and you helped the government, we're going to help you. It's like that's literally what the that's literally right. what
1: relationship is. Like, he kind of threw it. a wrench in our logic though too. I do got to shout this out. Because Zekila say we as the people have the ability to do it, but we don't do it either. So, you know, I mean, I think that's a great point. You know, we do. We look to one person. I do. I personally do. No, so, so tell me, I think it's valid. Let's be honest. Let's be honest. Us as global, us as global citizens, especially in the Western world, especially like, come on, let's let's talk about it. You you well, to talk? Right. I, think, I think there's something valid there. About I, I, we we can't compare.
0: That's we can't. I can't compare. Like you can't, you I, cannot complain.
1: There's a, not a direct one-to-one relationship between these things. To me, it is. But the, come on, the, the, logics, <laughs> the logics and behaviors, listen, listen, the systems that these people function in, the shit rolls downhill. So we have internalized the bad habits of consumption and overconsumption as the average person. I know I do. I know there are better decisions I can make on my day-to-day basis. And I use the excuse that I don't have six million dollars as a way to assuage my responsibility nine times out of ten. Right, but I know for a fact that I have learned terrible ha- behaviors, patterns, and logics based on what corporations have taught me, what systems I've been a part of have imprinted on me, and then I've gone on and replicated those logics in my real life. Let's be honest about that.
2: Yes, but uh, back to them though. I
1: don't so have to, I, I'm not saying my level of responsibility is the same as theirs. I'm saying that that, that if we made a Venn diagram, there'd be some overlap overlap. But yeah, like, yeah, <laughs>
2: it, it, think of the comment though, we versus he. We talking about being able to mitigate us as a collective being able to do something in the power of one individual being able to stop world hunger to me that is the difference you know what i'm saying to me to me y'all to me that hubris is saying no, like, no. before you start talking about them what about what we do to each other to me that's the same hubris it's like right. individual to me it's like individually we can mitigate no, right. and talk about how we, we body into that, it, but it but structurally
1: I can. Well, let's use your analogy. Like, whenever shit goes down, right? Whenever some shit happens intercommunally, we make sure to have the conversation that ain't no such thing as black on black violence. That it ain't no such thing, t- and no point in right. that. We always say that we do need to have family business and family meetings about the shit that we could have done better to avoid these situations. We always say and be honest that when shit go down on the block, we're not going to let them over there. We're not going to let the police, the state, white folks, suburbia talk shit about what happens in the hood. But we could have put the guns down. Right, really? so I don't understand. Like, we you
2: in did that work? Do you in do work? Like, do that? Like, do like, No, because I, I, I can't. I
0: can't. I can't let it do, do, do
1: that. I'm not making a clean little little relationship right. between these two things. I am saying you cannot be like I'm in, but not of us. Like, yeah, there is there. So complicated.
0: Hold on, but, but that but, but it has to be understood. Don't separate like the conversation about the violence that takes place in Black communities is not the same conversation of Black on Black violence. That's the problem. So like the conversation about what we do as people who adopt consumer habits is not the same. It it can't even be. Clear. What, what what is because I, I want to be clear what I'm responding to. So what are you what are you saying to you? I want to be clear because like, I because
1: Cause, cause what I, what I'm saying is to attempt to make differences in between what i'm saying about a billionaire's responsibility and the average person's responsibility and that analogy was made to an understanding about violence that happens and that happens to and betwixt certain communities but also what needs to be happening between the members of that community i think they, these are parallel conversations that albeit have some important distinctions and differences but we're saying the same shit. What I'm saying and where we depart and disagree is you're like, no, these are two separate conversations. We can't really talk about violence that exists out there, but then also be talking about Black-on-Black crime the same way. The same way we, like, Yes, you can. We just don't have to hold it to the same threshold or put the same level of responsibility. I'm willing to justify a 60-40 split, but there's something to be said about the complicity of everybody well, World Hunger. There's something to be said about yes, the of the of, almost everybody about. in terms of homelessness and housing and communities, whether it be showing up on local levels in your community to advocate for what local policymakers are doing on the day to day to fix shit in your community, whether it's showing up to participate in various forums or things that like there is shit that we could do. you like community meeting. Oh, I ain't going to that shit. I'm busy. I got uh, like, I, making I, but, decisions very flippantly uh, every single day. And they contribute to the society that we live in. That's all I'm saying. See,
0: like me. Eighty twenty. Not, not even close. Not 80, even close. 80, not, 80, even close. not even close. Because it's a fraction. It's literally a fraction, and this is it, it's like a fraction of a percentage. And here's why: me and my decision on whether or not I take this water bottle and put it in a uh, put it in a um recycling. A, a recycling bin mm-hmm. doesn't even compare to the impact. Uh, if I go down to 405 and I go to the South Bay and I see all the smoke stacks and yeah. all that pollution in the air from the energy companies, the that that individual decision that I'm making, Definitely. Me, Definitely. Me, collectively, if my block, if everybody on my block, if everybody on my block, decide that we not going, that we not going uh, uh, recycle these water bottles. Mm-hmm. It's still not going to compare to what's mm-hmm.
1: happening in, in Bay in Political L.A. Plug. Political plug. If you had $100, you had $100, and shit, you forgot about a bill, a bill hit, that bill, $65, $70. And you had to go ahead and come up off that $65, $70. So you only really had 30 35 dollars left. Right? You only really had This is that 30, 35 meaningless to you, or is it something that you would be protective of, that you would be mindful of, that you would still count as important in the grander scheme of that hundred? Like most of it's gone, but you still, you know, you, you just say fuck the, fuck the other 35, dollars it just don't matter. It's uh, just it's, it's such a small amount compared to the full experience. I think I get what you're saying,
2: Toy. I think you saying I think I think, I think you're saying, I think I hear you saying.
1: Like, yeah, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, big corporations, big smokestacks in Wilmington yeah. and Bombay throwing up all types of pollution, airplanes, yeah. cars, all that shit. That does not make the little things that you do completely non-consequential or not contrib- contributive to the larger scheme of pollution. Like, that's just ridiculous to say. The same way that $30, $35 in your account still stands for something, even at the 400 Like, we, let's do, let's do, let's talk about it. If you had a pizza, I could come up with a thousand analogies to me
2: it sounds like, sound like we're getting that literally talking about saving the environment and like talking about like plastic straws like we probably shouldn't use plastic straws i can agree with using plastic straws but in the grand scheme of things it's like yeah even if the whole society go to using paper straws we talk about we'll be talking about you know what i'm saying emissions and pollution it's like yeah to me it's like we're talking about power and wealth and we're talking about poor people have their due in terms of how wealth happens. And it's like, nah, that's not how they work to me. It's like, yeah, poor people can consume better, but where do we get these consumer practices?
1: Well, who, who,
2: who's you, to, who, These consumer practices didn't fall out the sky. They not come out God. the ground. They came from the corporations that we're talking about have the most complicity and accountability within what we're dealing with. It's like, yeah, the, consumer, the consumerism that we have those corporations benefited from it and they colluded with the government to be able to push the subsidies to be able to do XY and Z. I just yeah we should we should, we should go it's do it, like it. but it's like that 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 doesn't that doesn't change what uh what, what Elon Musk can do with bureaucracies and interest groups and you know what I'm saying like literally the policy making process and I know that that's what we all know about and we know we'll right. what the right. is about. like we can what right. we want to do but if they it, it, and this I is where, know, this if they ain't a the yacht doing what they want to do, the tide gonna hit perfect. us, will be doing. but look,
0: right. this is where it gets dangerous, though. This is where it gets dangerous, right? Because this is let's crazy. say, let's say I'll concede that individuals spe- specifically working as a collective has a major
1: impact. Mm-hmm. I'll concede. Right? I can see that too. That. I can see that. He's trying to make a strategic concession. How, what is your problem? how however is this is
0: because it... It has to be understood, though, that the language of the individual responsibility is uniquely used to disguise the impact of major corporations and how yes. they as a collective have a larger impact of even individuals working as a collective. So you could have a, you could have 15 million people recycling, making sure these plastic bottles, are repurposed and don't end up in the ocean and guess what the deforestation in the amazon that's dictated by 10 maybe 15 people will still have a larger impact than the 15 million people making sure that they put these in the damn recycling bin that's what got to be understood yes the question of personal responsibility and our own individual carbon footprint our own impact on on the environment is extremely important. But what ends up happening is that the conversation of personal responsibility, which is minuscule in the, in, the, in the overall conversation of consumption, because again, the practices of consumption that we adopt come from the people that incentivize, for example, the deforestation of the Amazon. So it's dangerous. It's dangerous to start to, to talk about the individual when we see that individual billionaires have such a larger impact than even individuals operating as a collective of 100 million. I don't
1: think
0: we... Do. we, we, we won't.
1: I, I just, I, look, I didn't argue. Okay. I just made a statement that we don't agree. You just I, I didn't want to try to stop you. I just, I don't feel as though we completely agree. I understand one thing, but and this is clear understanding, right? When we talk about the environment, when we talk about social causes, when we talk about just the social justice issues, right? The larger will always have a larger or bigger or more significant influence on the issue than the smaller fragmented pieces. I'll argue though that the smaller fragmented pieces, oftentimes because of the way our society is designed and curated, we haven't really seen what full capacity, full strength collective support of something looks like be honest like what you look at we, the pandemic was a great example of how oh, we fit the I, world yes. World. Uh
0: yes every yo everybody like,
1: it's terrible so we we can't even art like yeah i think the obvious surface level of uh, like the perception of the issue is clearly like if you have more power in the situation and we don't have to like we, we make decisions like that if i can make one decision as a parent for what's for dinner instead of going around the room trying to figure out what everybody wants we're going to have dinner a whole lot sooner. Right. That's logical. Right. So I, I get that component of it. What bothers me and frustrates me is that we have been so overly dependent on large institutions, large entities with powers making moves. We underestimate and have failed to explore the capacity of people working together to kind of have that brute and brunt floors. It's the idea that we're not minorities. We're actually a majority, but it's the way our mind thinks. It's the way that we have perceived our <laughs> Welcome back. Lee. I'm Um, I'm, I'm saying all of this to say the level where we disagree is is where I think we undersell the collective capacity of people getting on the same page about some shit. I don't know if we'll ever see it. In my experience, in my 32 years on this planet, very few things from recycling. I grew up in the recycling generation. We did. You know what I'm saying? Where that was a big part of, you know, reuse what is it? Reuse, renew, recycle? Recycle, Re-
0: reduce, reuse. Reuse,
1: exactly. Reduce, reuse, recycle, right? I've been a part of you know, whole black activism movements, right? we were in between movements of black collectivism in it. So I just, I've seen so many times where we have not been able to really recognize and actualize the full capacity of people working to get on some shit. I, I, it, it, I It's a weird refusal of that pessimism just because we've never seen what it looks like when people put their collective energy worth toward something. But that's all I got to say.
2: My last point on it is we're talking about wealth still, though, and talking about wealth is still that top 1% own 80% of the wealth. So even if you have 98% of the collective come hey, we only talking about 20% of the 20% of wealth. We're still yeah. talking about right now what what wealth is needed <laughs> to solve <laughs> a hunger. And it's just like, <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> even if the collective, even if you get the collective, it's like that doesn't negate that they still have the 1% still own this much wealth. So even when you have the collective come, in this instance, no metaphor, no analogy, it still is just not equitable to get what we're trying to get to. And that goes back to like the means of production and power. You, shit, you know what I'm saying? We only got 20% of the pie. We, we 98% talking about, you know what I'm saying? Probably less than 20% of the pie. Them motherfuckers, boys, they got the biggest pieces. They the ones got the big loaves that we fighting over crumbs. And I think that that's when it comes to, in terms of just thinking about well hunger and how a lot of class warfare, you know what I'm saying, be getting be, be getting flipped and dipped and finesse. Because to me, that's usually how they work. Like, yeah, well, you poor motherfuckers can do you out. But now we're talking about avocado toast and not buying mm-hmm. this. And it's like, hey, man, I can. Not eat avocado. I'm still on oh,
0: like shit like that. Yeah. No, but yeah. <laughs> man, it, was
2: <laughs> it, was that Snapchat.
0: it was 43 minutes, Snapchat. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I guess the last thing i said about that is, as we transition over into when the. We uh,
2: viewers, they didn't drop. They're like, y'all niggas still talking about the Twitter shit? I'm gone.
1: The, I, nah, a, I, but I mean because it's important though you know, the real ones, We ain't worried about the ones that's gone when the real ones are still here. That's all I'm saying. No disrespect, no T no shade But shout yeah. out to y'all rocking with it, it's still in the comments talking to us about this whole Twitter thing while we untangle it real quick. Y'all real yeah. hey,
0: listen, listen, listen. All uh, y'all, y'all, y'all class traders. That's that's all I'm gonna say. Y'all class traitors Um uh, but that, the, nah, the the last thing I'll say though is for real, like we we can't we can't we can't devalue or underestimate the impact of uh, or organizing and the masses coming together to make certain demands because we know when that takes place. Change does happen, so we we gotta roll with that, but you know what I mean we I, it, we we still gonna we still gonna be at a little at, at odds and may set up a a debate maybe you know what I'm saying about this conversation about the the impact of of people like Elon Musk, the responsibility of people like Elon Musk because as a comic book nerd, I will not end this conversation without saying where with, with great power comes. Greatest possibility, Uncle Ben, yeah. Marvel Comics.
2: Don't say Spider. that, because now i want to be petty and be like, so so is Elon Musk the anti-protagonist, or he's the villain? Was
0: he the villain? The villain. <laughs> All billionaires are the villain. Fuck it. Shout out to Bernie Sanders. <laughs> <laughs> uh, billionaires are the villains. Y'all know what it is. With that being said, we're going to go ahead and close out of the snapshot uh, and go ahead and transition over to the culture chop, Toya. Oh, before we transition over to the culture child, I want to make sure that uh, I don't have the screen share pulled up. I I wouldn't, I didn't pull it up this time. However, y'all make sure if you have an iPhone that you are are following and subscribe to the Chop Up show on Apple Podcasts if you are not able to catch the conversation live or, you know, like just on YouTube and you're trying to ride around and put it on your uh put it on your, your phone while you listening to your favorite podcast make sure you put the chop up in rotation that is yeah, the chop it up listen to while you work out you can you all know, of that, run. You can run all that. Run listen chop to it, yeah, it. Um, uh, 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 uh wherever you get your favorite podcast from you will be able to find the chop up show so y'all make sure y'all do that with that being said toya let's go ahead and transition transition into the culture Chop.
1: All right, so the culture chop for today. What's up, y'all? Just coming in, big love to y'all, or heading out. Um, definitely love the fact that y'all rock with us tonight. Um, for the culture chop, I want to talk about generations, um, and that's because a lot of conversations that happen in our society happen around us are largely, especially right now, being viewed and broken down in the in the to generational divisions, right? Uh, Lee mentioned the avocado toast and the, uh, you know, <laughs> saving on this and that and, and, and these tips that us as millennials have been given to get ahead or to help the economy. And we all know that's a whole bunch of crock of bull when Cap is doing what Cap is doing. Cap is full of Cap, 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 um, And by Cap, we mean capitalism, right? So um, there's just a lot of, you know, weird things generationally that we have to acclimate ourselves with. The the thing that inspired this, uh, shout out to my homie Dina, if she's listening, me and her was going back and forth about some stuff at her job because she was talking to me about how she was like, man, these new kids is different, man. These kids, you know, these these young ones, she she, she basically is a manager. She's um, in charge of hiring. And she was like, I'm noticing a pattern in terms of our hires, in terms of our rates of rehiring and opening up positions and turnover and stuff like that. And she was like, man, it seemed like if you was born in the 2000s, you so quick to quit. Like if you was born in the 2000s you come and if you don't like something, you angry about something, you about upset about something, ain't no mediation, ain't no talking about it, ain't no sticking around, waiting around. These young ones, she was like, just if they in their twenties, they out of here. You know what I'm saying? Whereas other employees are staying a little bit longer and they she can also see it in hiring patterns of the places they work even before they got to her. It's like this is the pattern the habit the way that we are they, that, that that generation of uh, the gen z is what they're called is approaching that i also saw uh i follow what's trending it's just called what's trending it's a pretty interesting uh yeah. uh on twitter uh, profile on twitter yeah. no on actually on instagram what's, what's trending and they, they probably got a twitter too but i saw a screenshot from a dollar tree that said it's a sign on the door uh the dollar, a, tree? dollar tree in indiana that says, and this is on four twenty. I apologize for us closing again my new my my two new cashiers quit because I said their boyfriends can't stand here for their entire shift. Don't hire gen Z. they don't know what work what work actually means now hiring baby boomers only. thanks right? That was what the sign said I did. so that's kind of what is inspiring my my mindset. And where I met with this conversation, and we are gonna get to breaking down some of those issues in labor and, work and stuff like that in a minute.
2: Damn, they said if you get all the rest of them, we on, we ain't got no forget Gen X, forget millennials, no. we only hiring boomers because them. I mean, like damn.
1: And so I think that brings us to an interesting place. Dina's in the comments right now. She, I'm a recruiting manager, and it's hard to keep employees right now because uh, younger, younger new hires are just difficult to work with. So I get before we even get into that specific part. What era? So we are millennials, right? We all identify millennials. Millennials. the five. Yeah, we millennials. plug you a little old. No, 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 yeah, we're,
0: we're all millennials for I'm sure.
1: Okay, because I know I'm a little older, so I don't know it if he was in the been, generation before that or the generation. old people, man, you know what I'm saying, trying to be mindful of the elders on the show. Um, yeah, I'm coming at his neck. He don't even care. He's uh. <laughs> too old. I'm see now. We know okay, so I guess there are a bunch of different eras. Lee, do you have something pulled up about the different generations and different areas? Oh How yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, oh yeah. I got, you I, you, got you, I got you helped out, man. So uh what 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 has started my, my hunch on this blew my mind. I learned that it was a generation called the lost generation mm-hmm. that uh started in uh 1890 to 1915, and it's kind of like one of the longest generations, uh 25 years. Then you got the uh, the uh, interbellum generation, the 1901 and 1913, and then you got the Greatest Generation, 1910 and 1924. The Greatest Generation, how I think about it, that's everybody that was that that was like doing shit. Then the Gilded Age, you
1: mm-hmm. know what I'm saying?
2: That they try to you know do that and the other. I could be wrong on that. You can look it up. Uh, the Silent Generation is a uh, 1925 to 1945, and then the rest of these generations is the generations that's uh more prevalent in our voting, more prevalent in you know uh, all of uh, people in power and, and shit that's going on. Uh, Baby Boomers, uh 1946 to 1964. Then you have mm-hmm. a Generation X.
1: Most of our parents too, cause
2: all is your parent. My my mom is a Baby Boomer. No, I'm a, yeah. uh, my uh, my parents, my uh, uh my mom and my daddy, Generation X. Okay. 1971, 1974. Um, yeah. Shout out to Generation X. I think generate to me, I feel like Generation X is the uh generation that we usually forget about when it comes to generation beefs. You know what I'm saying? When you think about like, we think about millennials, it's like our parents, uh, Zers, and, and baby boomers, but we don't ever really
0: think about Generation X. You know what I'm saying?
2: But well, have- well, Generation
0: X is is that was like that's our parents and like Generation Y's grandparents.
1: Yeah. It depends it, so I think like, it depends on I think it depends on like how old you because my my mama just older but my my brother and my sister my siblings are generation,
0: our, our generation X yeah. yeah well yeah like you said your mama is older
1: mama yeah, you know, I, I came 13 years late as a surprise so my generation just kind of, we slid we, we opened up the generations right. I was not supposed to be around right. you got
2: the uh the uh exenials Ix, you know what I'm saying nineteen seventy five to nineteen eighty five and and and, and uh, uh, this right here got the exennials uh, uh, is a sub a sub generation because they also uh, uh, crossed over. because the 1985 also crossed over with the uh, Millennials from 1980 mm-hmm. to 1994. Then you got Gen Z from 1995
1: to 2012. Then you got Gen Alpha from uh, 2013 to uh, 2025. These new new kids. These new new kids. So we broke it down. You know what I'm saying? Kind of era by era and. Um, I think it's important if y'all in the comments, you know, I want to assume what area y'all in. I know we definitely be having a whole bunch of different people representing represent the generations. generation. So this is the time to rep your gen. If you in the comments, Gen X talk like boomers. Why you say why you say that? Maximum, why you say that? Gen X talks like boomers. I wanna I want to hear the breakdown on that. But my question to y'all considering these generations, is what era, what generation, if you could. And this is without all the baggage, right? So I know sometimes when white people ask this question, I'm like, "What decade could you if you could be born in any era?" And we're like, man, we we're like, we got
2: some, yeah, hey man, we got it all around. We got people in 1980. It's a lot
1: of six it's six a seven,
0: lot of different diversity many, in the comments. Oh, 87. Shout out to uh, shout out to, 70, shout 70. Out to Yeah, yeah. we well, here. Yeah. Um,
1: but my, I'm my question you. is. <laughs> is Without all that baggage, think about a black person in the black world. Think about black culture, black society, black realities. If you could grow up in any era or any generation, including the one that's in, if you would just stay, what era would that be? What generation would that be? I'll repeat the question. Baggage aside, let's pretend this is a black ass world and we're not worried about all the whiteness and the weirdness that makes our realities a little bit more difficult than it had to be. In your own black ass world and your black ass mind, if you can pick another generation or your own to be a part of, which one would you choose?
0: Listen, I'm not going to lie. I'm going to go first on this one. Hold on, George. I'm going to go first. I would have... And, and, and listen, my my reasons are going to be superficial. And I apologize if y'all make fun of me from the get-go. But it would have been the 80s. Because the I would have wanted to... All right, don't judge me. Don't judge me i would have wanted to fall in love with the type of music that came out in the 80s like it was wow. a weird it was a weird of like it was a weird mix of like some ghetto shit, like some really sweet ballads like the new jack swing era of music that's like that so is, weird. Like, like i can't and like listen you you got that side of it but then to, but then to have like survived the eighties. <laughs> like yes, no exactly. the eighties. That's a salute. Like my mom, like she came up out of the era and I, I don't put my mama on blast. Like my mama was the traditional drug dealer girlfriend. I'm probably gonna write a book <laughs> on her life. No bullshit. Like, I'm, pro- I'm, I'm probably gonna write a book on her life. Because like- Traditional she drug, mama, drug dealer girlfriend, she had the, the Mary J. Blige haircut the bamboo earrings she was light skinned the whole, the whole shebang right so one being able to just like like the, the culture of the 80s was dope but then like even surviving the mother the, like the 80s like would have been yeah. you know what I'm saying like I wouldn't mind being an old man in, the, in, the, in like you know 2020 like well y'all <laughs> y'all gotta say you know what I mean like instead of being a millennial being like
2: fuck, like I missed all the that I shit. That. Now I feel like I feel like I would I would love to be the age I am now. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like man, like late, late, late 20s, early 30s, and like the late 90s, early 2000s. You feel me? That that era right there, I would love to be an adult in that time right there. Let me be a part of the the, the new the new bringing in to web two the dot com boom. Goddamn yeah. uh All oh, this entrepreneur. I wanna. I want I want I would have loved to be the age I am now, at that time, in like the early two thousands, late nineties. Like wearing them bigger ass and, an
0: and their
2: white
0: tees.
2: Yep. Yeah. 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 That's how I feel. Like let me be an adult, and you feel me. Back when we was uh, lean with it and rocking with it, instead of me being in like middle school, high school. Let me have been an adult in that time with the same mindset that I have right now. Oof,
0: man. Hey. You know, like I we was kids, we were kids, right? Like we were like when we were doing the lean with it, rock with it. You I you was. said you was in middle school. I was, like, I was okay, in eighth grade, ninth grade, grade, grade. grade, Like right, you was eighth grade, ninth grade. We was a little bit older. So I guess I was I was a little bit old. That was when I started, you know what I'm saying? Like I lived that, you feel me? So like, yeah, that was my shit. Go ahead. I want to be adult when it came out.
1: You said what? what, like, what?
2: Like, like 03, like I'm talking about 03, 98, 99, between like 96, like 97 to like 04. Let me have been an adult in that time. <laughs> and,
1: and definitely ain't no ageism going on in these comments. Ain't no ageism coming from us. It's love that every in our generation, everybody got their little idiosyncrasies and stuff they got weird going on with their generation. So for sure. We asked uh, uh Maximus Tata a question the, the, the comparisons between. Uh, Gen X and boomers and the reason why he said a lot of them are being mistaken for boomers is that they do kind of have some of the same talking points, the same ideas which gets to something we're going to get where it's like the boundaries of generations are kind of weird right, they should be a little bit more flexible and permeable than what they are because there's a lot more people with connections and overlap and understandings about the world that are being grouped with the wrong people in their generations, but that's a, that's a conversation we'll have in a second, Um, I would say
0: oh, Can I interrupt real quick? mm mm-hmm. um, So Queen Alana want to make sure that we all recognize that a Black autistic child was attacked by law enforcement in a local target last week. If you if you don't mind, Queen Alana uh, put where that local target was. So if people want to hear more about this story, we want to give them access to that. Uh, but police have given no reason as to why he was assaulted and tackled to the ground. He was not charged with the crime. While the boy was being attacked his teenage sister tried to intervene on his behalf police then assaulted her and proceeded to charge her with felony mm-hmm. assault for attempting to save her brother in the days that followed police from multiple jurisdictions targeted the family and uh, oh, ready, uh so i'm saying i'm, I'm saying that, that there's more to this story though but if you can put where this took like and what target this took place so people can actually look up this story and find and, 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 you know, get more information on this and we would greatly appreciate it. Uh, but we, we thank you for sharing that. Cause again, we are, we are media outlets. So we want to make mm-hmm. sure these stories get the proper attention. Um, but yeah, if you could put in what local target this was. So we can have all the information to get to, find more about it. We appreciate that. Uh, go ahead for you. Uh,
1: it's saying Lauren, Lauren said it's the Clifton park target. Clifton Park Target. So, if that gives you a little bit more context in where this is happening, going down. A Couple more housekeeping things. Maximum Tata. I feel like I misgendered you. I'm sorry. Um, maximum Tata. I said I'm a lady. <laughs> so my bad if I said or etc. Assumed anything else outside. I'll be trying not to gender anybody in the comments because I don't know. Is it maximum um, masculine?
2: Maximum? maximum. It's not. It's not. That's not it's important.
1: Not, I'm it's, not, it's not. It's just. It's bad. And when you look closer to the picture, I think I see. Well,
0: it
1: looks My like a, a thin person it's with an absolutely afro. a lady with an <laughs> Afro. Look, oh, we sorry. Also, you
0: had a whole baby throw You had a whole <laughs> baby throw You <laughs> don't even <you> recognize with Afro. <laughs> I'm shame. Also,
1: Asian characters. I don't know which language that's in or what it says, but we love you too. Thank you so much for popping in. We ain't never gonna miss a comment where somebody showing love, even though I don't know what your name is. Um, for me, if I could pick a generation as an adult to grow up in, I would definitely want to be an adult uh in the 70s no nah, not even that i think honestly lee i would be an adult with you like right at the cusp of uh in the in the late 90s early 2000s the reason why is that man i feel like so much shit that we got is the watered down version of shit that they got that was really cool like we got cell phones and we got shit that like over connected us to made it too easy and so we started getting overly connected to cell phones and missing experiences but but the generation before us had pagers. I know you need me. I know you want me. You know what I'm saying? But I get to the phone, when I make my, it's a priority, but it's not itching so bad on me that I'm missing the moment that I'm in right now. You know what I'm saying? So I feel, feel like it was like a lighter version of that. You know what else is something that I wish I was like younger for, for that generation? Enjoying shit like the club. I have no idea what it looks like to enjoy it. I do. I'm lying. I'm lying. College years, years in the club was lit. By the time we got out of college,
0: like art, 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 we was we we wasn't, was it wasn't, it wasn't the area we
1: live Now we
0: was the walking out generation. Come we, on, yeah. I mean, I went
1: to college. I went to college in Central Kansas with a whole bunch of Texans, so it was a lot of stanky legging. It was a lot of flexing. It was a lot of great times. You we um, went to college, like, in you know. So I didn't miss all of that. I just wish I was, like, grown and able to stay out till like, 3 o'clock in the morning with that. Stay out. You know what I'm saying? Like, kind of kick it, whatever, run around and really have an appreciation for kickbacks, have an appreciation for concerts, have an appreciation for things that I feel like our generation kind of took and lost the essence of a little bit. And so it kind of got worse. Grace said, let me give you all some real knowledge. And I want to respect this because she said 1964, I think, it was when she was born. So we got some wisdom coming in. She says uh, every 40 years is a generation according to the most high God. It's stated in the Bible. This is why the made up labels were red. that were read. Didn't make out, that don't make sense. Hey, however you decide that your breakup happens and, and, and that's up to you. I, you know, I think to be more specific, when we talk about generations, this is some research that we did, the ways that they kind of develop uh, these different indications of generations are based on things like, let me look, how are generations determined? One is by technology, right, which is, of course, a key component to understanding the ebbs and flows of generations. Another is economics. And then another important influential component that they think about is the approach toward parenting, right? How do we orient ourselves toward developing new generations? What do we have to right. give children as they become the new adults that are going to lead in God generations? Thus, uh, kind of shaping some of the influential characteristics of how we get from one generation to the next. Next question: Now that we know where we would prefer to be, if not in the generation we were born in, is which generation do you feel like guess the worst? Right. You know, we got Boomer. Boomer. You know, that was a big thing. You know, it's a big insult. That's a dig. You know, Gen Z get talked about all the time because of the Tide Podge. I ain't never going to live that down. And a bunch of other weird decisions that y'all have made over time. Uh, millennials are considered it's to be... We are
0: millennials versus everybody. Stop playing. <laughs>
1: millennials are, are,
0: are, are. We're in the world now.
1: Millennials Sorry. are perceived to be... Uh. Uh, let me finish breaking down kind of the, the different perceptions so we can get a good idea about this. Millennials are perceived to be a uh, uh, lazy, entitled, don't want to do nothing, want everything handed to him. I think George talked about. Uh, Lee talked about the participation awards that we have been associated with Gen X. Uh, I think we're kind of what, crack, cracked the
0: crack. crack in, goddamn. damn, wearing queens. That's what I'm riding with. Generation yeah. X get it the worst. Generation X get it the worst.
1: And then you just got, I mean, you have, of course, the silent generation, all of those older generations just kind of being disconnected. Those are the people running the country right now. Those are the people making a lot of the important decisions. So a lot of people say they are out of touch, they out of tune. They got a lot of principles, morals and ethics that don't really align with real life in a lot of ways. So a lot of hating going on. But which generation do you feel like deserves a little bit more credit or gets a whole lot of unnecessary hate that is not really deserved for them? Which I think
2: I think Gen Z, I think I think Gen Z, the young generation.
1: All right? Why? Takira right, says, yes, says the same thing, But why do you say Gen Z? I say I say Gen Z. Like
2: literally, the reason why we having this conversation because Homegirl was like, man, these young folks just that and the other. In my mind thinking about it, like man, when I was in my twenties. All the people I was around was goddamn quitting their jobs and moving jobs like musical chairs too, and that's the reason mm-hmm. why the old folks was talking shit about us. They say you young people don't know how to hold down a job and da 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 da. If you own a vehicle with less than two hundred thousand miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up.